All right, well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. It's good to be seen by those of you joining with us virtually, too. Thank you for that. Uh, my name is Adam Sidler. If we haven't met, I'm the senior pastor here. I would love to connect with you. So if you're here in person and we haven't met, please uh, introduce yourself to me. I'll be on the comments at the end of the service. And if you're joining with us virtually and you're new to our church, checking us out, um, you can click on the prayer button and uh, you'll confidentially be connected with one of our um, hosts. And uh, not only can you let them know how it is that we can partner with you in prayer, uh, but you can also let us know a little bit about who you are so that we can uh, connect with you as well. Uh, speaking of prayer, uh, in your worship folder is a connection card, and we ask everybody to take a moment and fill that connection card out, and most importantly, I think, to let us know how we can pray for you. On the back of that card is a place where you can write that down. Uh, so please, let us know how we can partner with you in that. All right, well, we're going to jump right into the message here today because we're in the third week of a 50-week series uh, called To the Ends of the Earth, and that's right, you heard that right. If you hadn't heard that before, uh, we're going through the book of Acts for the entire year of 2022. I'm excited about that. I think it's been a good time uh, so far. Hopefully, I'm feeling that way and you're feeling with that way 30 weeks from now. Uh, but right now, we're in week three. Um, and we're, we're going to basically kind of uh, pick up from where we left off a little bit. We're going to jump over some verses. We went through verse 11 of Acts chapter 1 last week. Uh, today we're going to look at Acts 2 and the first half of Acts 2. And then we're going to dive into it a little further next week. But what I want to do really quick is just get us all caught up on what's transpired from Acts chapter 1, verse 11, to Acts chapter 2, verse 1, all right? So first of all, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open that up, and you can turn to Acts um, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then the book of Acts, um, or you can certainly use your smartphone, um, or it'll be on the screen um, as well. But so from uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 11, till Acts chapter 2, verse 1, all right, the disciples, those that followed Jesus through his earthly ministry, um, now they numbered 11. They numbered 11 because many of us know that Judas, one of the 12, was the one who betrayed Jesus, right? He gave him up for uh, coins, basically. And then after Jesus was betrayed, and he realized what he had done, he gave the coins back, and, and then eventually he ended his own life. So now the disciples are at 11, and they want to bring one more person into the fold to make that an even 12. And so they bring a crowd together, and they say, hey, we want to bring another person into this, this fold here. Um, and the crowd nominated two people. Uh, the followers nominated two people, Barsabas and Matthias. Now, Matthias was chosen then to be one of the disciples, and that, um, uh, uh, that ended with now 12 disciples. And so this then brings us to Acts chapter 2, verse 1, where we see the day of Pentecost. Now, for those of you who have been in church for a while, you've heard that word. You may have, if you, if you haven't been a, a part of a church for a long time, you probably have heard that word anyways. But Pentecost is the day in which the Holy Spirit descended, 
And we're going to talk a little bit more about that here, like I said, this week and, and next. But at the time when, uh, when this occurred, the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, they didn't refer to it, that is the Jewish Christians at the time, didn't uh, refer to that day as the day of Pentecost. Back then, that day had a different name. It was a Jewish holiday. It was a Jewish festival. There are many of those. Uh, This specific Jewish festival was called the Festival of Harvest, the Festival of Harvest or the Feast of Harvest. Now, basically, this festival was designed to celebrate the beginning of the first of two harvests that they would experience over a calendar year. This one, uh, this harvest occurred anywhere between May and June. So that's, we know that we're in that time period. And when, when this festival occurred, as was the case with um, all festivals that were decreed by law, by Jewish law, that meant that all Jewish males, whether you were born um, a Jew or whether you became a Jew as a convert, um, if you were Jewish, you came to Jerusalem. So for these festivals that required presence, it was Jewish law, you had to come to Jerusalem no matter where you were, no matter what you were doing, you had to be there according to Jewish law. And this festival was one of those festivals that required it. So it was a pilgrim festival. So now you have this festival occurring and you have people uh, from all across the known world who have then come, descended on this place, Jerusalem, for this time, the, fe- the Feast of Harvest. And also, uh, this was a, um, a holiday, and because it was a holiday, everything was closed. Uh, there was no work that was to be done, and it was essentially time to party. Now today, Pentecost, as I mentioned, has a different meaning, a different association. We associate the day of Pentecost with the Holy Spirit, descending on God's people, on those that have believed in Jesus Christ, have given their life to Him, and thus being saved, and then receiving the Holy Spirit. We associate this day with the Holy Spirit coming for the very first time. But before we do anything else, we're actually going to go back in time a little bit. So we're going to go back to Matthew during Jesus' ministry. So before his ascension, before his resurrection, before his crucifixion, Jesus is doing this around around three years with his disciples. And we see this interchange that he has with his disciples, and specifically one disciple, the one disciple who constantly puts his foot in his mouth. So if you're one of those people, there is hope for you. Who is that person? Anybody know? Peter. (laughs) All right. Peter's got a bum rap, right? I mean, poor guy. For all of of existence, he will forever. I didn't even mention his name. I just said, who's the disciple that constantly put his foot in his mouth? And you unanimously said, Peter. Poor dude. Well, Peter had this interchange with Jesus in which Jesus gives Peter this profound, despite his many follies, he gives Peter this profound mission. Check out what Jesus says to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 through 19. Blessed are you, Peter, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. 
and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, if this is somewhat confusing to you, if you're wondering what in the world is this all about, I guarantee you that Peter and the disciples were all wondering the same thing when Jesus said this. They had no idea. But that's a big deal, isn't it? I mean, look at this. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you, Peter, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Holy cow. I mean, forget the keys of a brand new car. We're talking about keys to heaven. But we begin to see here the unfolded in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we're going to read this together. When the day of Pentecost came, so remember, this is the Feast of Harvest. Jesus' followers were all together, not just his 12, but many others that had given their life to Jesus Christ by this time. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and then they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there's a lot there. And as I mentioned, we're going to dive um, a little bit further into some of these logistics next week. Uh, today, we're going to maybe take a little bit of a detour, maybe one that you don't expect. But what I think is just so amazing is right away, we see that, that this was Jesus' plan all along. What happens here at the beginning of Acts chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4, that was Jesus' plan. It's not a big surprise to him. We saw this last week in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where Jesus says to him before he ascends into heaven, but you will, says this to his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So it hasn't happened yet. But when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power. We talked about that last week. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. So right away, in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we see the Holy Spirit unleashed to Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit, for the first time, is unleashed and given to Jewish Christians in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2, verse 5, right where we left off there. Now there was staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Remember, we talked about this is the Feast of Harvest. It was a, uh, a festival, a feast that required by law that Jewish men, whether they are Jewish by birth or because they had taken up Judaism um, as their faith, they were required by law to be present in Jerusalem. So Jews from all over the known world were present in that time. We are in Jerusalem, and specifically, the Holy Spirit is unleashed and given to Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. And then, if we could flash forward just a little bit, we'll see this down the road, but in Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 8, the Holy Spirit is unleashed to those in Samaria. Look at this. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria, and when they arrived... 
They prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So we've seen the Holy Spirit come first to Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. And then in Acts chapter 8, we see the Holy Spirit come on those Jewish Christians in Samaria. And then in Acts chapter 10, we see the Holy Spirit unleashed to Gentiles. Now, if you are not Jewish, you are a Gentile. That's essentially what that means, a non-Jew. In Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 45, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, so Jewish believers that were with Peter that had come with him, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, even on those that weren't Jewish. Okay. What do these three encounters have in, uh, in, in, in common? Um, namely, who is present at all three of these moments in which the Holy Spirit is unleashed? Peter. Peter is present in Jerusalem. We're going to look at the message that Peter proclaims later on. But Peter, in, in chapter 2, is present, and he speaks to the risen Savior as Jewish Christians in Jerusalem receive the Holy Spirit for the first time. Peter is present in laying hands on individuals who then receive the Holy Spirit in Samaria. Peter is then present in Acts chapter 10 when those who are not Jewish, Gentiles, receive the Holy Spirit for the first time. What is it that Jesus says to Matthew in verse 19 of chapter 16? He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter had been given the authority by Jesus to unleash the Holy Spirit on mankind. The Holy Spirit being the power that the church needed in order to fulfill the mission that it had been given. The unleashing of that was given to Peter, that responsibility, that mission, that authority. And he did just that in Acts 2 and 8 and 10. But let's look again at Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Remember we talked about last week's verse of all of Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we see how the Holy Spirit follows that progression. First, the Holy Spirit is unleashed to Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. Then the Holy Spirit is unleashed to Jewish Christians in Samaria. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit is unleashed to non-Jews, Gentiles, mainly everyone else. And, and it was like dominoes. And you remember, as I mentioned, Jewish, uh, men, Jewish men from all over the known world were in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit descended. And they experienced what happened in that moment where many, it says in, at the end of Acts 2, many were saved because of the message of Jesus Christ. And then the message of that gospel then goes back to all of these homes that they had come from. Same thing in Samaria. Same thing to the Gentiles. 
And we are a part of that ongoing tradition today. As we talked about last week, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he rose from the dead and is living today, and that by believing in him you will be saved, not only will you be saved, you'll be justified before God, but you will also receive the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. These three key moments that happened in Acts 2 and Acts 8 and Acts 10, once the Holy Spirit is unleashed to one, he becomes then available to all who believe. This is why Jesus' mission to Peter is so important. Look again at what Jesus says to Peter in Matthew 16, 17 through 19. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Peter, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. These will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, keep this, um, this passage on the screen There are many people who have interpreted this passage over the years that Jesus is referring to the rock as being Peter. But that's not at all what Jesus is saying here. When Jesus says, and on this rock I will build my church, what is that rock? It's Jesus himself. And we we see evidence of that right before Jesus says this in verses 17 through 19. In Matthew 16, 13, Jesus turns to his disciples and he asks him this question. He says, who do people say the Son of Man is? The Son of Man being himself. So essentially, he's asking his disciples, who are people saying I am? And Peter, one of the few times that he actually says something right, In verse 16, he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. It is in response to this statement that Peter makes about Jesus that Jesus then responds to Peter by saying, on this rock, on the truth of that statement, on the fact that I am the Son of the living God, I am the Messiah, on that rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will never overcome it. Jesus states to Peter that he will have the authority to unleash the Holy Spirit, who will then be the one to supply the power that the church needs to stand on the rock of Jesus Christ. Now, this day, this moment as I mentioned, is referred to the Pentecost by you know, all of us. That's what it looks like in your Bible as well. But it wasn't at that time, as we looked at already. This was to those at the time, the Feast of Harvest. And the Feast of Harvest is an important thing to consider in light of all this. Do you believe that Jesus makes mistakes? You don't have to answer, I would hope that you would say no, because it's true. Everything is intentional. There are no coincidences with God. With Jesus, there are no coincidences. All we need to do is look at what his 
followers heard from him in his earthly ministry before this interchange that he has with Peter in Matthew 16. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I cannot imagine even for a moment that it was a coincidence that the Holy Spirit first descended on mankind on the Feast of Harvest. Considering the mission of the church, we talked about this last week. What is the mission of the church? How do we summarize the book of Acts? The Holy Spirit empowers God's people to be his witness to the world. The harvest is plentiful. Jesus saw for himself the challenge of this statement because the workers are few. We are to be God's witnesses to change the world with the message of Jesus, that is, the rock... It was the Holy Spirit that moved Jesus' followers from being scared, from being alone, to being behind closed doors, to then, to then without shame send forth the message of Jesus Christ. And it's important to note here, and this is such a beautiful realization, that at the very beginning, at the very beginning, the church had its sights on a worldwide mission. Look, look at what it says in um, Acts chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. And you'll have to forgive me for some of these words, but I'll do my best again. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. These are all the different people that were represented in that moment when the Holy Spirit descends on his followers. Even at the very beginning, the church was not bound by ethnicity. Even at the very beginning, the church was not bound by race. Even at the very beginning, the church was not bound by geography. The church was always and will always be global. The church of Jesus is filled with people. Filled with people who don't look like us, who don't talk like us, and who don't worship like us. There's a ministry that we support here at uh, North Haven Church. It's called From Scattered to Gathered, and it's led by Bruce and Julie Adamson, who some of you know. And Bruce and Julie Adamson started this ministry after years in um, Senegal and Africa, and they came here to the United States and realized that, you know, the ends of the earth used to be a place that you had to go to. And now the world has changed because the ends of the earth is literally in our backyard. The ends of the earth will literally be holding their church service in this room in a couple hours. Because we have a Hmong church that worships here. 
And so Bruce and Julie realize this, and they realize that there are least-reached immigrant groups here in the Twin Cities, many of them who have not heard or who have not accepted the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so Bruce and Julie, through From Scattered to Gathered, are, are focused on providing disciple-making movements. To make disciples is not the same as evangelism and sa- getting people saved. Making disciples is the process of not only realizing the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but then walking in a life where you are pursuing him every day. And so they're, they're, they're focused on reaching least-reached immigrant groups, their immediate families, their regional networks, and then touching into their countries of origin for the sake of creating gospel movements where Jesus is realized, where he is believed, and where lives are changed. In North Haven Church, we've partnered with them. We're partnering with them um, and supporting them financially, and, and we're, we're supporting them through prayer. Um, But I want to take it a step further. What I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to um, remember what the followers of Jesus committed themselves to in Acts chapter 1. We see this amazing thing that transpires in Acts chapter 2. We think, oh my goodness, that's incredible. That would be so awesome if that happened here, right? The Holy Spirit descends down. That must have been really, really cool and maybe a little scary. And then what does it say at the end of Acts chapter 2? It talks about how many came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Many were saved. But what happened right before all of that to make that possible? In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says this, Jesus' followers all joined together constantly in prayer. So this is what I'm going to ask you to to do. I'm going to ask you to uh, join with me um, in praying for an opportunity for awareness, for uh, direction and guidance from the Lord as how North Haven Church can partner with From Scattered to Gathered to reach least reached immigrant groups here in our community, in the Twin Cities to pray fervently for God's leadership in that regard. I'm inviting you to join me. This is a serious issue. Please consider doing this. I'm gonna, we're going to put this up on the screen. This is a phone number uh, that is a North Haven phone number, so it's not a spam thing. Don't worry, you're not going to be solicited for, to help some prince in Ethiopia or something like that. Um, this is specifically for North Haven. And what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to text the word PRAY. Text the word PRAY to 833-581-2331. That's all you got to do. If you want to join me in prayer for this, because for the next two months, for the next two months from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m., in person and virtually, we're going to commit ourselves to pray for how God wants to use us to reach least-reached immigrant groups here in the Twin Cities, how God wants to use North Haven Church 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. every Tuesday for the next two months. In person, we're going to meet in this room, in the sanctuary, and then there'll be a Zoom link, too. You can join us virtually if you prefer to do it that way. But if that's something you're willing to commit to, if if you're brave enough to join me in that effort, please text PRAY to that number. 
And then you'll get instructions on what to do next. Real simple. We had about uh, uh, 20 people from the first service uh, sign up to be a part of this. You can't let them outdo you guys. This is going to be life-changing, not only obviously for those that don't know Jesus, but it's going to be life-changing for us and for this church. And as you consider doing that, we're going to keep that on the screen for just a little bit until the song lyrics come up. As you're doing that, I want to share with you a message through song uh, that I trust will speak to you here today, and then we'll close the service together with um, our message that we'll proclaim as a community. Before the beginning of time With no point of reference He spoke to the dark Fleshed out the wonder of light And as you speak a hundred billion galaxies are born In the vapor of your breath the planets fall Here the stars are made to worship so will I I can see your heart in everything you've made Every burning star, a signifier of grace. Here creation sings your praise, and so will I. God of your promise You don't speak in vain A syllable empty of all For once you have spoken All nature and signs Follow the sound of your voice As you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your breath, evolving in pursuit of what you said. If it all reveals your nature, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you say. Every painted sky, a canvas of your grace. Your 
creation still obeys his soul alive so So will I If the stars are made to worship So will I If the mountains bow in reverence So will I If the oceans roll your greatness So will I for if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. If the wind goes where you send it, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If the song of all your praises still falls shy. They will sing again a hundred billion times. God of salvation, you chased down my heart through all of my failure and pride. On a hill you created The light of the world Abandoned in darkness to die And as you speak A hundred billion failures disappear well, you lost your life so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind you, so will I. I could see your heart in everything you've done. Every part, design, and work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. I could see your heart a billion different ways. Every precious one, a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. Like you would again a hundred billion times. But what measure could amount to your desire? You're the one who never leaves the one behind. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for not leaving us behind, for pursuing us to the ends of the earth, and you ask us to do the same. The mission you've given us is clear. The power that you've given to us is potent. We are then able and called 
to be your witnesses to the world. So, Father, I pray that we would stand together proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord, not ashamed of the gospel that saves. We pray in your name. Amen. Would you stand together as we finish the service by saying these words as we will be doing throughout the year at the close of each service time. Please say with me, we are the church. We have received power from the Holy Spirit. We are Jesus' witnesses to the world. We will give the love of Jesus to each other, to our community, and to the ends of the earth because we are the church. Amen. God bless.